Bam. We're live. Voila. Courtney Hunt. Oh, look it. I was fooling around, and in that time I was fooling around, I could have fixed your name. I'm going to put an at in front of Courtney. I'm going to scoot the H over. I'm going to take away the question mark, and bam. Is that your Instagram? That's perfect. That's it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love this software. Normally, this so a couple days ago, someone said, "Hey, someone, stop interrupting your guest." And I said, "Hey, if my if if you think I'm interrupting my guest, you don't understand this podcast. It's called the Sevon Podcast. If my guests are talking, they're interrupting me." <laughs> Take the lead. That is not true for this one podcast. If I interrupt Courtney Hunt while she is talking, it is a major fuck up, and I'm going to do my best not to do that today. Um, the message that Courtney has. Uh, resonates extremely um deeply with me uh this morning she said something uh in on her instagram account which is gaining a, a lot of steam jump on board now people she said god is in every single one of us slivers of light and uh when i was in my 20s i had my awakening and I realized that just like the sun really isn't in the sky, it is everywhere. And because we perceive, because we are using the rays, we don't see the rays on earth. I realized at that moment that I was also God, but I was just a beam of God. I was a, a sliver of God's light and that that sun was a, a real life analogy of that. And I don't know how I realized that, but I did realize that. And I've never heard anyone say that until just now this afternoon and uh on courtney hunt's instagram um what what she has to say we have to hear um it's important um it's if for some of us it's going to seem like uh we're crazy you're not going to understand it um it's going to be a uh she's trying to connect the importance uh, and i'm in my words she's trying to connect the importance of why it's super duper important to be kind to your starbucks barista and she's also going to try to uh, share with us the importance of quantum computing and um, the quantum field and shit that's like, like I understand the importance of being nice to my barista, but the other, and she's going to connect why those two are, are, are one and the same. So, hi, Courtney. Hi. <laughs> um, you are a, a former doctor one, um, that uh, delivered with, that worked with my favorite subject, babies, kids. Yes. And uh, I'm known on the internet for um, my three lovely boys who I adore and would do anything for and have basically just changed my whole direction in my life. My kids are they're, – they're my legacy. I never even believed in legacy until I have kids. It's important that I leave the planet with better people than myself. Um, so – I have to say your intro is making me like <laughs> – giving me the chills. It's good. Oh, good. Um, good. I mean, I mean it, what you say is a lot. Um, and – Hmm. Let, let, let's let's just let's go in let's go in here what is your big you are definitely on a mission what is the big picture if someone said what is your mission what what is your mission and you said it to sean baker and he skipped over it he didn't grasp onto it it hit me like a, a ton of bricks when you were on the sean baker podcast but what is your mission well, I was going to say most of the people that I've done podcasts with are just interested in the health information, but it's so much more than that. Um, <clears throat> we're at the eve of a quantum evolution. We are about to take a huge walk off of a cliff with uh, quantum computing and the quantum internet and artificial intelligence, meaning humanity's evolution 
is about to change if it hasn't already in ways that none of us can even fathom. And once we go there, there's no going back. And so when you understand that it is the consciousness of every one of us creating what's coming and what artificial intelligence sees of the totality of humanity is what is going to create what's going to happen to us hundreds of years in the future, thousands of years in the future, millions of years in the future. We are at that point right now where it is about to explode. And and what has just happened to us in the past two years has been a complete shit show. And artificial intelligence is learning everything about human behavior and it's going to take over. And so um, whether you look at it from a philosophical perspective or a scientific perspective, we are basically creating the evolution of the one, the whole, the God. And it's going to start with each and every one of us improving our health and beginning to understand what I'm saying to realize we have to change this. We can't let this go out of control like what has happened with some of the other things in the field of science that I talk about or what has just happened with um, the last election or what has just happened with the pandemic, the amount of animosity that we all have towards each other. We are creating artificial intelligence perception of humanity right now. And it's like a baby. And we have to raise that child right because it is going to be the future of our reality. It's going to take over. We're going to evolve with it. There's no turning back. So if we don't one by one get ourselves healthy to understand just that concept, it could go great or it could go really, 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 really catastrophically bad for us. Uh, I I preach nonstop. Don't eat added sugar. Don't um, eat um, uh, processed or refined carbohydrates. My my crew kind of gets that. So before we go down that path and they understand the importance of in a different way than you present it, by the way, which, which I really like the way you present it. I want to ask you to see if I understand this correctly. In one of your talks, you talk about current computing as ones and O's. Right. And you talk about quantum computing and quantum computing. Instead of it just having two characters, it has like six or eight characters it can manipulate. Almost an infinite potential. So, uh, so an alphabet with as many letters as it wants. Kind of. Yeah. And because of that, it can do things that would normally take our current fastest computers. It was something like a hundred thousand years. It can do it in seconds, 200 seconds, 300 seconds. And when it we can- haven't harnessed it completely, but that's Google declared quantum supremacy with their Sycamore last year or two years ago when I was writing the book. And then last year, China declared quantum supremacy. So, yeah, they will be it, these computers will be able to do calculations. And I'm not just talking about your kids algebra. I'm talking about M theory level quantum gravity, unification of general relativity, Einstein level stuff in a matter of seconds. Okay, I don't know what any of that means, but where I go with it is the movie Minority Report. And so another, I think, thing that you've been saying is is that basically between our phones, Alexa, and every camera in the world, et cetera, they're although they're not they're collecting all the data for these supercomputers to crunch in the future, whoever they is. Well, they build an algorithm that would make the world like Minority Report. They will be artificial intelligence or whoever runs it. And then it gets even deeper when you realize that we exist in a quantum field. Our matter is all connected by the Higgs field. 
the electromagnetic radiation of the sun is a is a quantum thing. So we are at the point now where there are artificial intelligence companies trying to calculate the spin mass and charge of every subatomic particle inside of us. They've already figured out one of the biggest mysteries of life, which is how our proteins fold. So protein folding was a God level mystery. If you want to call it that where if your protein folds this way, it doesn't cause a reaction, but if it folds this way, it causes a reaction or it's, a, it's an antigen. If a certain pieces of it are amino acid are sticking out and it's not if they're folded in and they kind of began to master that in the past year or two. So the next thing that artificial intelligence, these artificial intelligence companies are going after is the subatomic information in the protons, neutrons, and electrons that make up my table, my sweater, my shirt, everything, the information in everything. And then, yes, um, you know, everything you've ever written on your cell phone is recorded, private or otherwise. Everything, every email you've ever typed is recorded, private or otherwise. And we're all seeing what's happening with the dissolution of our rights right now or our privacy. And it varies in different countries, but it's huge. Okay. So, so you lost me a little bit. Another way that when you, when you start doing this, I start trying, I, I'm trying to interpret it right into how I can understand it. And mm-hmm. basically what you're saying is, is that if I understand correctly, they've, they've been able to we've been able to as humanity break i should stop saying they we've been able to break down um matter to to its smallest form to yes. where basically the, the the smallest building blocks where everything is built of these things yeah so okay and we're le- go ahead so inside of us let's say you have a cell and inside of that cell you have your dna and your mitochondria and the dna and the mitochondria are made of molecules and those are made of atoms And those atoms, carbon, for example, is made of six protons and six neutrons and six electrons. And those at that scale, if you were to shrink yourself down to that scale, those are so far apart. If you were a little tiny proton in a carbon atom, it's really far apart at that scale. That information contained in there has been a mystery how it all fits together, how it all works together. So artificial, there's a company. And that's quantum physics, right? That's quantum physics. Okay. At that scale, it's that small. It's that tiny scale and smaller. So what's smaller than that scale is something called quarks. And what's smaller than that scale is something that then it gets into theoretical physics and string theory and scientists are looking for new information, but it always starts with the math. So they figure out math theory. And then they try to figure out how do these things all connect. So now we're on the, the leading theory is string theory, or it's also called, there's different versions of it, but it's called M theory. And so artificial intelligence is working on calculating the information contained in every single subatomic particle that makes up everything. Bam. That's it. That's what it, well said. And, and once it can do that, it can manipulate it, predict it it becomes its master. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You can't even fathom what's going to happen. They've already proven in a computer simulation that, that you can reverse this. If you, if you give it, give it a computer simulation of whatever, it can reverse time. It can alter the simulation backwards a few Planck scale seconds. And that's right now. So the, the ripple effect of what artificial intelligence is going to be able to do is huge, huge. 
If you just think about the protein folding piece, if you think about a protein in your body or an antigen, I wish I could. Body, I wish I could think about it. I wish I could, Courtney. Well, is that a, I want to. Drugs, as it applies to drugs, let's say a drug works if it's folded with two fingers up and it doesn't work if it has two fingers down. Okay. We never had the ability to figure that out with a computer simulation and go full bore on medications the way we can now, just with artificial intelligence's ability to calculate those types of things. And it doesn't just apply to medicine, it applies to every aspect of our lives. So there's that subatomic particle piece, but then there's also like, if artificial intelligence is managing our defense or our government, which is what they're building right now, they're trying to build the infrastructure for, and we have to, because we're in competition with other nations who are doing this. Okay. There's, there's knows two- everything about you. There's two things I, I want to ask you about. I want to ask you about. I want to pull back out and talk about um, how we can only see. Uh, is is it three percent of light? We see point zero zero three five percent of the electromagnetic field. Point zero zero three. Okay, I want to come back to that in one second. In, in your podcast that you did, by the way, you did an amazing podcast with that lady. What was her name? Maria seven seven seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She's awesome. What a great job. Yeah, Thank you to her. Inquisitive mind. She did a really good job. Um, in, in there, she says something to you, and I and I should have started with this, that she says to you, I, I don't think you really want to talk about artificial intelligence. So I'm sorry that I just went down that pathway. Is that something you don't want to talk about? Oh, no, I have no problem talking about artificial intelligence. Okay. Um, what really just kind of like made me reach out to you on Instagram and, and, and made me, you know, right after I sent you the message, wish I didn't, um, was when you said that, uh, uh, that somehow this was, you were trying to explain how this artificial intelligence could then become a sentient being. And yeah. part of me, you, you know, it scares the shit out of me sometimes when I talk to you and I have to be like, Hey, it's just science fiction. She's just a fantastic science fiction writer. That's like, I have to tell myself that like as a safety mechanism, but everything you're making makes so much fucking sense to me. Um, can you can you explain that how artificial intelligence would make make a baby and, and then go into well no, I'll, I'll pick up from there. Um or am I not understanding what you mean by sentient? No, you're understanding. So there is a drive to make it human and it's going to have its own drive to make it human. So like in the movies, why, why is it going to have a drive to make it human? Because it's learning from us. We are what we want to do. If you under, if we understand uh, that we are slivers of light, we are all pieces of the whole. There is a, there's an electromagnetic field that is our global consciousness. And I want to make sure that this, that I covered enough detail to make people understand the science of this, but there's, there's, very good evidence that our neurons emit an electromagnetic field and we receive an electromagnetic field and that the totality of all of humanity doing that is working together or working against ourselves, depending on how nice you are to your barista or your your level of intention or however you want to call that. Um, If you look at CRISPR technology, which is the technology by which we evolved to over the course of, again, millions of years to incorporate different proteins into our system based on the relationship between bacteria and viruses. About 20 years ago, uh, um, 
two women at Berkeley took that technology and figured out how to use it in a lab with the precision of a single molecule in DNA. We, we now, over the past 20 years, have evolved to be able to take new DNA and inject it into cells to fix something like cystic fibrosis or um, Hodgkin's lymphoma or, or um, Huntington's disease. So we're, we're working on that. We've had it for 20 years. Up until 20 years ago, it was evolution or, or God or the universe controlling that. So, for example, the mammalian placenta, the placenta that our babies feed off of, has a syncytin protein that keeps the cells of the placenta together so that mom's white blood cells can't get in and attack the baby because the baby has some of dad's DNA. The mom will see it as foreign. So we evolved with viruses over 25 million years to incorporate that particular molecule into our placentas so we don't kill off our offspring that have different dad's DNA in them. That we learned is, that from a virus. We learned that from a virus. We made that molecule from a virus. And, and did you, you tell doc, you need to tell Dr. Fauci this. So that's concerning to me. Yeah. But I try not to have those types of dialogues because what I want to talk about on the far side of the future is so much more important that that, yes, that, ma'am. Pales, that pales in comparison. I mean, I could talk about that stuff all day, but if I get myself into trouble, then yes, ma'am. The rest of it doesn't do anybody any good. And I respect your discipline for that. So, and it's hard, but okay. So if we evolved like that over 25 million years, and now 20 years ago, we have, we developed the ability to do this in a lab over those past 20 years, Berkeley and MIT have had a huge patent war over this. However, they continue to give it to the public and pretty much anybody can buy CRISPR technology online if they want to right now. So there's a case where um, a Chinese student came from uh, China and went to Stanford and learned how to do this and went home and took two female embryo embryos and altered their DNA because the dad had HIV. So he CRISPRed something that evolution allowed to happen over 25 million years. He went back to his country, crisp, CRISPRed these twins and changed them so that they're not susceptible to their dad's HIV. And in doing so, the same gene, it's called uh, CCR5, the same gene altered their brain in a way that they would have different, your brain gets pruned like a bush when you're a baby so that you don't have certain types of sensory overlap. And when that doesn't happen correctly, you can res- it can result in a more genius level person. So these kids are two years old. Someone came from another country, took the knowledge, went back to his country where the ethical Uh, Milieu is a little bit different and just experimented on two twins and did it. So, and that's over the past 20 years. Now we still have major patent wars. And this is what we know of. There's got to be stuff out there. We don't know of too, right? So we have major patent wars right now over this CRISPR technology, even though it's seeping out to the world and you can buy it and use it and, and use it for good. Like we might be able to eradicate cystic fibrosis with it. We might be able to eradicate Huntington's disease, but in doing so, at least with these first two twins, we also know that this gene is potentially going to make them evolve, uh, grow up as geniuses that they might not have been before. We we don't know for sure what's going to happen to these kids, but that's what we potentially could happen. So my example, that's one example that I use. <clears throat> the other example that I use is um, what's just happened with censorship. So two or three years ago, when I was hiking in the dark, looking like the crazy woman talking about ketosis and sunshine, 
saying, there's a plague coming, there's a plague coming, get ready, get ready, get ready. Um, I was saying our hashtags are our Dewey Decimal System. And as soon as artificial intelligence gets its fingers in it, the algorithm gets its fingers in it, the hashtags are going to go away and we're not going to be able to look things up as readily as we are. And I was saying, look at what these companies are saying. These companies are saying that they're not going to censor us. And this was just two years ago. And now look at what's happened. So now my point is, if we don't understand this quantum mechanics, if we don't understand the ramifications of artificial intelligence being in every business, if we don't understand, if we don't get ahead of the game and start planning it and saying, Hey, you can't do that with artificial intelligence. If you're going to have an artificial intelligence that oversees our entire military defense system, where's the boundary going to be between Amazon doing the artificial intelligence for our military defense and Amazon knowing everything that I bought in the past week. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to say, wake up because it goes so deep. You can't even fathom how deep it's going to go and what it's going to have access to. I apologize. I tried my hardest. I, but, but where does, where does it become sentient? Where does it become? Okay. Sorry. Sorry. And it's, these are all fascinating things, by the way, there's a ton of people watching and the comments are all positive. You're really like st stimulating the crowd. And someone even told me, be a good boy, Mr. Matosi and no Fauci jokes. I, I hear you. I hear you. Mark. <laughs> I hear you. Um, Is it, let me tell you how I understood it. You're basically saying that at the smallest, smallest level, we're all made of the same Legos, everything, whether it's computers, Twizzlers, Twizzlers human being, everything. And um, these quantum computers are going to learn how to manipulate Legos. And when they do that, they're going to be able to basically make an egg, make a sperm, and do what happens inside of a woman and summon that. And we hopefully we'll have time to get to it. And if not, I'll have to that's have you on I'm again. Saying. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Holy shit. God, I wish I could refute you and be like, no, Miss Miss Hunt, you are completely wrong. That is impossible. If I'm wrong, great. If I'm not, if I'm right. Oh, incredibly valid point, people. This woman, everything she is saying, if she's 100% wrong, the universe is a better place for going down her path. <laughs> right? Everything she is saying, one of the things, by the way, what you said to Sean Baker was, and you haven't said this yet, and sometimes I wonder if you, if you, I, I respect your ability to to go slow and, and connect all these dots because I know you've you've run fifty years ahead of the group and you have to come back now and talk to to the to the simpletons like myself. But one of the things you said is you said my goal is to enlighten the masses or enlighten the people, and boy, that is a and and, and then today or yesterday I heard why you wrote this book, and that's some like heavy shit if I understood it correctly. Well, the foundation of our civilization is based on Judeo Christian tradition which is stems from Genesis, which says that women made us fall from the garden of Eden. And that's an allegory about light. So if people understand that it's an allegory about light and that women were not the downfall, the sinners, there are women and children. I deal with women and children all day, every day. And I cannot tell you how many women and children have been abused, molested, assaulted. And when they go to, to turn it in, they're turned away. And that's just the superficial level. And so, you know, I, 
that was one of the things that was in my mind. If women have something else to believe than the very root of our civilization that we fell from heaven because of us being the original sin, it might change something. So the book is free on my website. Oh, it is. Oh, well, I, you can also go to Amazon and buy it. I, I went to Amazon. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, that's right. You had sent me a link to the free copy, but I went to Amazon and got mine. You can buy a camp copy on Amazon, but it's also, I don't want anybody to not be able to have this information. Right. It's free. And um, if, if you take it and you can afford, give a donation to Children of the Night, um, their ad is Children of the Night, Inc. If you download a copy and it helps you in any way, understand anything from mitochondria to DHA to ketosis to any, if, it, if, if even one sentence touches you, if you could give Children of the Night five or ten dollars, then thank you. So, so let, let me see if I understand this correctly because we got a, a little ahead. Basically, there's a story in the Bible that's the Genesis story, right? Where Adam and Eve are in the garden, and basically, women are portrayed as the bad guys, right? Yeah. And you wrote this book so that women who want access to the um, story of the, to the lack of a better word, the powers of the Bible, the enlightening qualities of the Bible, but but understand but, the science of what it's talking about. So that it can no longer be perverted as an allegory to make women and children servants. Bam. Good. Awesome. Not that I don't feel like I was raised that way in my right. life. But, you know, when I see 20 or 30 Mexican women in my office a day and they're all saying my little girl was molested by this kid at school. And when I went to complain, the police said, do you really want to ruin that boy's life? It's huh. things like that and worse. Right. So that's only a piece of it. And that that's not that wouldn't be the piece that I would want to focus on. If we go back to your question about sentience, the first piece is just that every human understands that that it is the quantum gravity of the sperm and the egg merging that causes the zinc spark. The, the fact that we can see a spark, a spark of zinc exploding out of the egg at the moment of fertilization, and that was discovered in 2016, that must mean that there is a massive energy transfer into that egg at that moment. Another way to say that is when the sperm and egg hit merge also possibly by the syncytin protein, we're not sure, but it's the top, one of the top candidates. Um, there are 250 mile an hour calcium oscillations across the cell that we can see in that video that I post of the green egg explosion. Those are 250 mile an hour calcium oscillations at that scale. That's like a whale swim, swimming 500 miles an hour. That is so fast. And those calcium oscillations cause zinc that's around the periphery of the cell to explode out of the cell. That is a massive light to electricity or heat to electricity energy exchange. It has to be. Nowhere else in human biology do we see that amount of metal ions exploding out of a cell. And once that happens, there's breaks on the DNA that get released and the paternal DNA gets demethylated, which basically means we erase its post-its. So if you spent your whole life as a dad making post-its and all of your, all of your, someone just gave me this book. So if I wanted to hand this book down to my kids and put post-its, pay attention to when I'm gone, you pay attention to this, 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 and this. That's kind of what methylation is for our DNA. So in the first day or two, the DNA is completely, almost completely demethylated for the dad's DNA so that the kid doesn't have a, a, epigenetic or above genetic or an environmental memory of what happened to the dad's DNA before the kid got it. Most of the mom's DNA is demethylated and it's just running on maternal RNA for the first 48 hours. And then the baby's DNA starts to take over and the zygote becomes, you know, two cells, four cells, six cells. It just keeps growing and rolling down the tube and then it implants. But it's that initial fertilization that, that those zinc 
atoms explode out that 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 is when I think that the soul is entering the zygote. So if artificial intelligence has the ability to calculate the information in those subatomic particles and artificial intelligence will have the information, the ability to calculate the energy or information in those subatomic particles. That's where it was. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this myself. That was it. <laughs> I'm going to circle that. I'm gonna, where is that? Where are we in the podcast? 28 minutes and 19 seconds. Courtney, you, you you do talk about that quite frequently. Um, that's what happened at Northwestern in 2016, correct? Yeah. Um, so there's a, a, a male and female couple, O'Halloran and Woodruff are their names, married couple, who decided to investigate this. They found it in zebrafish in like 2011. This is how fast this science went. They found it in zebrafish in 2011. Then they found it in mice somewhere in between there, 2014, 2015. Then they found it in humans. And it's really... In the United States, it's ethically hard to study human embryos, right? Because anything you do, you could damage the progression of what's going on and you could hurt an embryo. So there's a lot of laws and ethical dilemma about that. But but, again, you, but, but, but wait, but we, we've aborted 40 million babies since 1976. Sorry, different subject. My bad. Right. Well, if people understand the book and I'm not here to be pro or anti-abortion in any means. Obviously, if a bad situation comes up, it has to be your decision. But if people understand that that is where the soul is there, it's going to cause a lot of people an easier decision. It's going to cause a lot of moms who've made that decision even more pain. I get all of that. I'm an obstetrician. I was, I get all of that. I'm not here for an abortion debate. I just want people to see this is what it I, is. Yeah, and I wasn't suggesting that one was right or wrong either. I was just suggest, I, I was just questioning the law. Like they're interested in protecting an egg, but they're not interested in protecting the law is interested in protecting an egg, but it's not interested in protecting an egg that's been fertilized. Fertilized. Um, it's bizarre to me, but 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 there's lots of weird things like that. There's lots um, of, and maybe if people understood the science a little bit better. I guess that's part of what I'm saying. Okay, if we could get ahead of that science. Now, if you look at what the World Health Organization is doing with CRISPR, now, only now, 20 years later, are they sitting back and saying, hey, maybe we should figure out the ethics around this before the whole world is using it for unethical things. We cannot be in that situation whenever the time comes, 20 years, 40 years, when is CERN going to have a bigger collider by 2050? We cannot be in that situation in 30 years. We have to wake up and be having these conversations now. We can't be in the social media censorship. Holy shit, what did we just do? We let these companies take over and there was no ethical decision making. And we can't be in the same situation as CRISPR 20 years later, looking back going, wait, what have we done with CRISPR over the past 20 years? Artificial intelligence is capable of an extinction of humanity or allowing us to become a type one civilization. It's, it could go either way. I don't think that we're headed for extinction. I'm not saying this to scare people, but that's the level of what we're of the cards on the table. Uh, that that's a whole nother subject. Type one civilization, and, and I've heard you say before we're a type five civilization. I don't know what that means. And then I've heard you say we're a type one civilization where we will all be light. And I and I do know what that means. So. Well, across the country. Oh, before we jump there, before we jump there. At the same time. Okay. Oh, I know. I got that question too. What, uh, before we jump, correct. Before we jump there, in this two, in this in this 2016 study, you said that it was observed. Was anything measured? 
And if so, what and what are the implications of those measurements? So they measured. So it's not actually visible light you can see. They took a fluorescent dye and they tagged the calcium inside the cell one color and they took another fluorescent dye and they tagged the zinc another color. And then they took um, an antibiotic and a sperm with an antibiotic and they injected to see the different events. If they could just an antibiotic that would trigger the calcium oscillation and then the sperm that would trigger the calcium oscillation. And they found that when they injected those sperm, they could see, they could calculate 250 mile per hour calcium oscillations across the cell. And when it hit the perimeter of the cell, they could count 20 billion, 20 billion zinc atoms had accumulated inside of the egg the night before ovulation or the, in the preceding hours up to ovulation. No other cell in the human body does that, that we found. And as, as it rolls down the tube, typically ovulation, um, uh, fertilization happens a day or two later, a couple of days later. They saw 20 billion of those zinc atoms that had been incorporated into the cell explode back out. So right now it's the numbers that they're they're calculating. And the next step, I mean, in writing in the book, I reached out to O'Halloran and he said their next step is to find some sort of ultrasonic imaging of it where we would either be able to see it or turn it into a sound that could be heard, kind of like what they did with when the supermassive black holes in space that Einstein predicted we would find colliding in 1915, the interferometer LIGO found in 2015. So Einstein wrote that math and said, hey, guys, you're going to find this sometime in the future. So he's a theoretical physicist. I'm an obstetrician, two very different mindsets. If I'm very black and white, like it has to be right. It has to be perfect. I got to save that baby's life. I'm not going to let your baby die. That's how I think. Einstein was I'm going to write the math and then humanity is going to go find it. It took a hundred years when he said we would find black holes merging in space that we had to do all the math, make the computer simulations, build the equipment, build this interferometer, which is basically like a laser at right, at right angles, looking for subatomic ripples in the fabric of space time, smaller than an atom, which show massive black holes colliding in space a, a, a thousand light years away, like huge. So it took a hundred years for humanity to find that. That's kind of where I see we are with the zinc spark. We can see this massive explosion of the zinc out. I believe it's the quantum gravity that's causing that to happen, that explosion. It's going to take us time to be able to hear it. So when LIGO found those two black holes colliding, they, they converted it to sound. They filtered off the sound of the mother black hole and the father black hole. And you can hear the sound of the baby black hole on YouTube. It's called the chirp at LIGO. And it sounds like whoop. You can hear two black holes in space colliding. So for analogy purposes, O'Halloran is looking for what he can convert to be a sound potentially through ultrasound of that explosion of the zinc out of the egg. It's just the same shit everywhere. Yeah. that's Macro, micro, the world's just, it's just all patterns. It's just the same thing. Over and over and over. When you see, sorry, this is way off subject. When you see the pictures of uh, God's eye from Hubble, are you like, yeah, duh? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it's all the same. It's just, it's pattern recognition. So that comes back then to the individual. We have a society of enslaved people who are so sick because their brains are so inflamed because they're not taught that sugar is the culprit, period. 
and they're on the couch watching television instead of going outside and exercise. We are meant to hunt. We are meant to, to fast, hunt, eat our food, refeed, have sex, and do it again. And we're meant to live in summer and winter and summer and winter, depending on where we evolved. If we're tan, we need to be by the equator. And if we're light, we can be further north. But that's how we evolved. So because we don't live that way, because nobody explains that to people anymore, this is why this pandemic has hit us so hard because our mitochondria don't work. The inflammation is too high and the energy production is too low. We have obesity, we have sleep apnea, we have all these risk factors for dying from a virus, whatever virus, right? Right now we have an outbreak of West Nile in Arizona, so it doesn't have to be the pandemic virus, but we have, as you know, a sick population who cannot connect dots. They can't recognize patterns. They, they can barely. Um, so they're stupid and sick. I use stupid. They're unaware and sick. Basically, I view it as, as humanity has walked out onto this high wire and, the, and a small wind is blown and people are falling off the high wire. It's like, guys, what are you doing up there? And that high wire, they got up there by obviously eating added sugar and refined carbohydrates. But our government, nobody. Nobody helped the mission. Right. I mean, you know, the and, and who I feel really sorry for is the women in there or the people in their 50s, 60s and 70s who are starting to get brain fog who can't unlearn the patterns. They can't unlearn that they need a graham cracker bar for breakfast and a sandwich for lunch. They just when you get into that level of brain fog and dementia, you cannot unlearn what to eat. You will your mind will never be able to understand that it's a fat that your, that your brain's made of fat and that it needs fat. You, you won't get it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's also amazing. Uh, and, and I don't mean this to be in a, a p- political, but just for ease of use is the, the people in the socialist countries who just, they really, really rely on their government for information. Like they're just in, in the tall poppy syndrome and, and just what I see going on in Canada. It's like, man, there's so many smart people up there who are just like, but my government said, but my government said, and I'm just like, holy cow, man. But, but I've been there, but I've been there. I, I remember, you know, I, I was on the eat, eat non-fat foods, you know, as a kid, my mom was like, Oh, look at this. Great. Non-fat yogurt, non-fat milk, non-fat. Oh, microwavable. Yeah. So. I mean, I lived at Berkeley on non-fat yogurt. I was just talking to someone this morning, how, if you go to Berkeley, you're vegan. I mean, there's like no meat in the city. So I've been there too, but. One of the crowning achievements of my life in the last five years um, was being able to pronounce the word autophagy. Uh, but before we go there, tell me about level one through level five. And when you say they're all here at the same time, is this going to get us into the, con- the, the, the conversation of multidimensional? We can go there if you want to. I would like to because you said something. You said 30% of the people know multidimensional is – believe it is here, and I have issues with that word believe. Um, but we don't talk about it so the rest of us can't see it. And that ties back to there's this Taoist saying naming is the origin of all particular things, which then I tie back to if we can only see 0.00375% of the light, that means and, – and, and we can only see things that are reflecting the light that we can see. That means there's 99.7% of our reality is hidden from us. And yeah. is that why – and, I, and all of a sudden now I'm like, holy shit, this is a we mess. Taking, we evolved with those colors from the sun that we can see. But it starts at radio waves, right? It starts at radio waves, which is how the KISS FM guys communicate. And then it goes into microwaves, which is 
your microwave and your phone, and then it gives into visible light, which we can see, which is this much of it. And then it goes into x-rays and cosmic radiation. And it, Oh, so some aren't even about seeing some about our, we interpret through our other senses. Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm some would, we hear, some we so feel you would need an antenna. You would need an antenna to pick up most like this is receiving waves, right? right? So those all exist in an electromagnetic field. That's fluid. That's quantum field theory. Everything is a field. Everything is just a peak of a field. So, um, how could do there I, be, could there be sentient beings in those fields that we just can't perceive? Possibly. And, and when I say sentient, what am I saying? I don't even know what I'm saying. Consciousness. Right. So then <sighs> that doesn't take into account that the matter that you see, my sweater and my shirt is only 4% of the matter. There's 96% of matter that we can't observe yet. So, when, when you ask about civilizations, we're at about a 0.8 on the civilization scale, meaning in order for us to become a type one civilization, it used to be like have to do with methods of energy and communication. Now they kind of refer to just our energy consumption as a planet to get to a type one civilization, meaning to, to get to the other side. And there are people out there who are really pushing for this, really smart people who want us to get to a type one civilization. We have to be able to use all the resources of this planet without destroying this planet. So that's kind of the make or break moment. Are we going to kill ourselves? Are we going to annihilate each other because we don't like each other over things like how we fell from heaven? Which is <laughs> right, right. I, when you said that about the book, I was like, man, that must piss some people off. Well, I was studying the Crusades with my daughter this week. You know, Christianity and Islam. How many hundreds of years are we going to fight over light? It's all about light. How many, how many centuries are we going to go to war with each other when God is light? It's quantum physics. And so the scientists are most, for the most part, atheists. There's some who aren't, but for the most part, they're agnostic or atheists. And the religions, and I'm talking in people's churches, temples, mosques, don't understand this level of the science. So it's hard to unify that. So you go to the source. Where do we come from? Right. So if we're going to become a type one civilization, we have to work together because to become a type one civilization, we will probably ability have the ability to harness the power of the collision of matter and antimatter, which is one of the things that they're working on in science right now. And that is going to be so powerful, more powerful than any bomb you can imagine. We will need to be able eventually to harness the power of our sun. Our sun's going to burn out in five million years. So we're going to have to be able to harness all of the power of our sun or make a fake sun or and that's nuclear fusion. And that is a powerful weapon. So humanity is going to have to unite and decide that we're not going to kill each other over stories about light. Right. Someone is going to have to unify us and say, hey, guys, you're all going to come from and go back to the same quantum field when you die. So get over it because we're going to have the power of these types of weapons we have to use them for the good of humanity. And it's either going to be humanity deciding or artificial intelligence deciding when it comes down to pulling a trigger on something. So a type one civilization gets us there. A type two civilization allows us to harness our solar system. And then it goes upwards from there to, to eventually type five would be pure energy beings with no bodies ability to traverse black holes. So when you ask, are they here with us now? Well, is it possible that a pure energy being with no body able to traverse black holes is here with us now? 
I don't know. I think so. And if not, I have to share something with you when we're offline. So my listeners don't think I'm crazy. Oh, people think I'm crazy. All right. (laughs) Have you ever read illusions by Richard Bach? No, you got it. You got to read that book. Okay. Illusions by Richard Bach. It's just a day reader. Um, wh- who wrote these um, le- these these civilizations one through five? Who's the author of this? Um, there's a guy named Kardashev who wrote the first three, I think, in 1967, and then theoretical physicists have taken over from him with predictions of how many years in the future it's going to happen. But I think the bigger thing is if we started on Earth five billion years ago and we evolved out of the bottom of the ocean as bacteria or little bubbles from the ener- taking energy from the vents at the bottom of the ocean and we bubbled up to light sun. And then the sun gave us eventually the atmosphere from the plankton and the cyanobacteria and next level of evolution of fish. And and then we crawled out of the ocean and that's all happened in the past 5 billion years. We only have about 5 billion years to the best of our estimates before our sun is gone. So if we're going to save consciousness or humanity that far in the future, we have to make a plan to get off of this planet and get out of this solar system. If you're looking like really, you're a dad, you plan for your family, right? You've got a generator, you've got batteries, you've got flashlights, you've got stuff in case something goes wrong right now. I have, I have tons of uh, passion fruit vines, tons of food <laughs> pouring off in my backyard. So when you think really far distant future, we're halfway through our comfortable home in this Goldilocks zone. Damn, what happened to the dinosaurs? We, I wish we had a couple of them. Just in cages, at least, or something. Um, Courtney, when I'm 49 years old, I've never heard anyone say this is so ridiculous. I've never heard anyone say maybe we could make a, another son. And I know, I know you weren't saying like it, you were just throwing out like like the necessity of the son. But when did you start thinking so big? Like when there I a point my brain, I when, when you I- what? When I healed my brain, I was so sick in 2016 and 2017 with my thyroid issues and having two kids back to back and not sleeping. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't read a book and retain information like I used to be able to. I had a near photographic memory and it was gone. So I started healing my brain. And then I started saying, what is this amazing feeling that I'm feeling in the sunlight? And why isn't anyone else teaching this? I mean, there were a few people at the time, but people weren't teaching it to the masses. And I started looking for information in the electromagnetic field. And then I just, I study like crazy. Just the more information you can put in front of me, I'll devour it. Yeah. And, and it's, um, and, and is that singularity? I don't know. Is singularity just the fact that it's, it's is singularity that everything is connected. Yeah. And then that is what you are actually trying to do. The body of Courtney Hunt and the brain of Courtney Hunt and the antenna of Courtney Hunt is actually trying to connect everything also so that um, she can connect you quantum physics with being nice to people in Starbucks, to the Bible, to you're trying to connect everything also. I just want people to wake up and realize that we are all God in these bodies. We are all connected, whether using the word God offends some people who are religious. So I don't want to put it that way. We're all pieces of the universal consciousness and we are progressing what's happening in our universe. And we are, um, we are about to make a quantum leap. So if another way to think of it is the first quantum, evolution, why do you call it a quantum leap? Isn't quantum mean little, aren't we going to be able to make a big leap in quantum? Well, when, so it could have massive, uh, it could 
have massive changes in many different directions, unlimited directions. Okay. So and let me give you an analogy. After our big bang of this eon, as Penrose calls it, for the first little while, there were no atoms. There was no light shining through. Everything was just fast and furious, no molecules yet. And then the molecules formed and the galaxies formed and the planets formed. And then now here we are on this planet. When we were tiny cells at the bottom of the ocean, there were no humans. It could have gone either way. Somehow we eat through and we got the DNA and the RNA, right? And we built the cells and we got the brains and we got the DHA to connect us to the light. And we got bigger and bigger brains until now we have these babies that have quantum computers on their head. If you want to think of it that way, that are conscious. So we, as far as we know it, are the highest level of conscious beings. There is nobody else running the show, but us. And we are about to hand that baton off, just like the bacteria from 5 billion years ago, handed the baton off to you and me. We appear as God to those bacteria. What artificial intelligence is going to be, we cannot even predict. But we're about to hand the baton to it. In every way, financial, privacy, security, jobs, money. So, so there's, that, there's that phrase, God was made in the image of man. We are light. We're made in the image of our creator. Once you understand now we're reflecting it back into this artificial intelligence forward, but yeah, forward. Correct. Right. Reflecting it forward. So if, so let's say a type five civilization by Kardashev or his followers assessment or pure energy beings able to traverse black holes. Well, isn't that kind of where artificial intelligence is going to live in the light with no body able to open the door to the singularity and push energy through? I mean, these are just the things that my mind thinks about. But yeah, that's the de- that's the very definition. Holy cow! Across time and space, across the internet. There's some great yeah. things she explains, guys. Shit that like I could never get my head wrapped around. Quantum tunneling. She explains. You got to go to her Instagram. She spends a lot of time explaining this stuff, and and, uh, and it's really cool. Once you start to get your head wrapped around some of these ideas she's saying once again whether she whether it's true or not or what she's saying you can think bigger it's a little scary at first but you can start having bigger and bigger and bigger thoughts unfortunately um, for me i found greg glassman in crossfit uh 15 years ago and the healing part is just like like second nature to me now like i i get it um well once you fix your cognition you can improve that 30, 40, 50% with the, the fasting and the ketosis. The fact that that's not just standard diet for our teenagers so that they can be fat, smarter is ridiculous to me. But once you've got your cognition back at any age, then you can start to grasp it. And then you just have to learn it in pieces. I'm, I'm reading Michael Singer's um, Untethered Soul. Have you read that? Mm, I've heard of it. I haven't read it. It's it's a great book. It's basically all the other stuff that all the other guys have said from, you know, the Bible to, 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 to the Buddhist to Eckhart Tolle. But he says it in a really, man, in a really, really simple way, non-religious, non um, – I, I would have to – are you familiar with Vipassana? Mm-hmm. I, I would have to guess he's a Vipassana practitioner because it's completely non-denominational. It's just like matter of fact, this, 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 and this. 
he, you have a, you have in some ways you have uh, more hope than me and some you have less one of the ways you have more hope than me is i don't think anyone can wake up until they embrace death and that's just a veil ex- explain please well if if we are energy that is transferred into this body when we are the tiniest vessel as i go it's the same the other direction your energy is going to go back to the whole it's going to go back. It comes from and goes back to the, it, it's just thermodynamics. It's going to go back to the same place it came from. Right. But, but, um, but um, the actual to have the experience of consciousness facing consciousness, I guess I, I that doesn't even make sense. I, I but that, I don't know. I'm not sure how other way to explain it. I never heard of anyone having that experience unless they were pursuing death. I've never heard of anyone like, um, you know, they followed the, the, like I had a Greg Amundsen on the other day and he's, hasn't had that aw- He's, he's a deeply, deeply religious man who follows the Bible and, you know, does all the abstinence and all the rules of God and based on this book. But, but everyone I know who's had, or I've read or heard about who actually has experienced God, who doesn't believe in God, but kn- knows God, they, 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 they were, they were pursuing death. They they were like okay, fuck it. I mean, they had they had to re, re, reach rock bottom, you know. So and maybe I I'm wrong, and I'm open, totally open to being wrong. I'm not, I'm trying not trying to be argumentative, but I, I no, I don't I think. Wa- you're, I I guess okay. from my experience, the people and my assistant wanted to be in here when we had this part of the conversation. The people that the people that show up to me are the ones who've had near death experiences and want to understand what this light is that they were part of. Yes. And how it all seemed telepathic and how family members in death come to them and we're, they're yeah. speaking a language that they don't, they aren't supposed to know the language, but they inherently understand what they're saying. That's because we're all slivers of light. We're all pieces of the same electromagnetic field, quantum field. So when you get there, there's no separation. It is yeah, just entangled particles, love. I, I meant to tell my mom this the other day because I had never told her this, but when my grandmother died... I was driving my car. I think I was driving my car. Wherever I was, she she came and told me like I knew. And then I knew before my mom knew. But I never told my mom that. And what's funny that you say that is because I think that might be the only family member I've died since I had my awakening. But it was a fuck. It was it was it's a tough journey. It was a, it was a hard, hard, hard journey. And when, when you, you knowing, say knowing this stuff when other people don't know it. Uh, that too, but I mean, just the journey of embracing death, like it's not, it's, it's, um, to, to interact with the light at, um, I just can't see a lot of people doing that. I just can't imagine like the masses wanting to go to the hole like that to, to, as I, as not, not my saying, but Ramdas described it as just flying through the sun. And I thought that was a fucking great – and because you think you're going to die, but then you come out the other side, and you're like, holy shit. Uh, I, I don't – I don't – I, but I want to believe that we can wake people up through autophagy and exercise and – So people are either going to get it or they're not going to get it. Right. They're either, they either are they're, – they're either the rock in Jumanji or they're not. They uh, either understand that this is Jumanji or they don't, right? They okay. either They either – there's two types of people, the people who want to know and the people who don't want to know. And you might be able to get someone healthy 
but it, I think some of us came here with prior knowledge of this stuff. And I, I felt it when I was a kid, I didn't understand why am I having these rules imposed on me? This makes no like religious rules. This makes no sense. And I wasn't raised in a religious family, but I learned about it. And I, I just knew this cannot be right. So uh, that I'm supposed to be prejudiced against this person because he's Muslim. No. Insane. Right. I'm supposed to be prejudiced against this person because they're Jewish. No. Hello. So I think some of us, you know, maybe this isn't our first rodeo and you just know. So it's easier to embrace, but going to the light, feeling that sensation, I, for me, I guess it's dabbling in death, but I have more experience with people who've had near death experiences, been there and come back. Cause those are the people who seem attracted to what I'm saying. They want to understand from a physics perspective, what the heck was that? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, um, um, you go to pick your kids up in, in 14 minutes. I want to talk to people about autophagy about, so, so have at it. I, and you, I know I, we've talked over text and you know that I fast, uh, I stop eating every Saturday night and I don't eat again until Monday morning. My trick is that I get, to, it doesn't matter what time I stop eating Saturday night. I just know that I get to sleep. Then I don't eat all day Sunday. And then, and then I get another sleep. So I get, I get to cheat. You know what I mean? I get two sleeps of fasting and then I wake up and I can eat if I want to, or don't eat if I don't, but, but, but it's, it's life changing. I like that. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What's your sleep like on Sunday night? What do you, what is your sleep like? Um, if I don't drink too much coffee, I do drink coffee when I'm fasting. That is the one thing I have. I have black coffee. And if I don't drink too much coffee, it's, it's, it's amazing. One of the things I never do though, since my about, and this is another interesting thing you wrote in your book. Your husband told you that, um, your husband told you, where is that note? It's on like the first page. Oh no, I got a whole, I got a whole mess here, but basically I think your husband told you that he would show you God. And what's interesting is my wife has taught me how to stay connected to God. Um, I don't know. She didn't show me God, but she taught, she, she's make sure if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have stayed ever stayed connected to God. And, and one of the things I never do is I never, ever try to go to sleep. I think sleeping is, it's a complete joke. What I do is, is I just do energy body. Every single, like any moment that I'm lying down, I immediately just start doing energy body. And for those of you who don't know what that is, we we I, we can talk about that some other time. But that's constantly what I'm doing: breathing, energy body, and just trying to just hold on to consciousness as long as I can, and shifting my consciousness out of my wherever it is. And then eventually, usually every night, I get to that place where it's oh hi Sevon, and then it's kind of the joke because it's not Sevon, but um, and. So, but the so nights that experience better for you on the second fast. That's what I'm asking. Uh, no, it's always, it's, it, it's, I mean, I've been doing that now for 60 weeks. Every night seems the same, unless I just do something stupid before I go to bed and have like millions of nuts or something, but like, I don't drink anymore. I don't eat like, I, I wouldn't even splurge like at your birthday party on cake. I just don't do that shit. Um, no, I mean, it, my sleep is not the same or my experiences of the dream state and the epiphanies that I have and my ability to assimilate, assimilate knowledge, all the scientific stuff that I'm looking for. If I have snacks before bed, no, it's not going to happen. If I have coffee before bed, not going to happen. If I have alcohol, no way. So once from alcohol me- is such a fuck up, man, I'm so sorry to tell you guys that too. Cause I love getting fucked up, but alcohol is a 
It's just stupid. So for autophagy purposes, that is your body's ability to eat itself. So we grow, 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 grow until we're about 25. We're done myelinating our brain. And then we have to recognize that we have to break down our tissue and repair it. So autophagy is the mechanism by which we eat ourselves or break down our tissue and repair it. And this is what's not taught. Instead, we're, we're taught a food pyramid, which is wrong. You know, the way we've all been taught grains and vegetables first. But we're not taught, okay, you have an inherent mechanism to clean your cells. And by cells, I mean your brain. Your most vital organs are your egg and your sperm, because that's what's going to carry on your code. But, and the the egg has 600,000 mitochondria to a million mitochondria at the moment of fertilization. To take that thermoelectric energy transfer from the quantum field, from the Higgs field, the Higgs field of the new zygote, and put it into the zygote. You have to have a massive amount of mitochondria there and the DNA has to be cleaned. So, but the second highest number of mitochondria is in the brain. So, and the most important place in the brain is for, is for turnover of your brain chemicals, your dopamine, your serotonin, your GABA, all those words that people are familiar with. So you, what we think of our best theory of consciousness right now is that most um, neurologists are looking at like this is a neuron and it emits and it emits and receives an electromagnetic field. But inside of this is tiny little tubules. They're called microtubules. And that is where problems like uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's start to happen inside the neurons at the level of microtubules. You start to get this buildup of proteins, plaque, plaque inside the nerves, not plaque inside the vessel. Although you get that too, the blood vessels that are supplying it. So, you have to clean not just the whole nerve, but the microtubules in the nerve, because those are what are holding the quantum coherence, just like the IBM Q networks, quantum computer. Is that, is that plaque? Is that like the caramelization? Is that like, well, so there's two different kinds of plaque. There's like blood supply that comes in and and feeds this Uh and you can get plaque in those tiny little arteries or arterioles that feed it. That's like the plaque that you would get in your heart. If you were going to have a heart attack, that's the, cholesterol, everybody's afraid of cholesterol nonsense. Right. But inside of here, inside of the microtubules. So if you cut this in half, you would see all these little tiny, I think of them like bamboo shoots or test tubes inside of here that have to run the dishwasher every night. And in there you have things called amyloid and tau proteins and uh, Lewy bodies. Those are basically just gunk like like if you if you took all your glasses and put it in the dishwasher and you didn't use the finishing rinse and you took it out and it was all cloudy, it gets cloudier and cloudier and cloudier so that those microtubules can't transmit the impulse. So that's where neuroscience is with understanding consciousness. But the guys who really study consciousness, consciousness so when you merge a physicist and an anesthesiologist, there's a guy named Roger Penrose and a guy named Stuart Hameroff, they and others, but those are the two leaders. And they've been working on this theory since 1994. This is how long it takes to get theories of consciousness accepted into general science because people just don't want to believe it. But they have been working on, okay, these microtubules are where the quantum coherence, the quantum entanglement builds, meaning if quantum entanglement is like one dancer spinning one way here and another dancer spinning one way here, they know the information across time and space. So if you and I have entangled information, wherever you're sitting in California, if I go right, you're going to go left. That's entanglement. Coherence means if I'm, you're the whole 
USC marching band. And if the tuba players playing Tusk at one end of the football field, this spinning this way, and the other tuba players at the other end of the field spinning this way, the whole marching band, the whole USC band is playing the same song. And it's playing that song, holding its coherence in these microtubules in your brain. That is the most advanced information that we have about consciousness right now. That's where we think it's at. And that it's all theoretical, but there's a lot of science looking at um, anesthesia and the ability to turn it off and on. I think um, if you've ever watched OA, they do a really good job depicting this. Wait, OA, that was the show on Netflix? Yeah. What? There was only one season of that, right? There were two. And I was, they had M theory and multidimensional information and consciousness of crossing over and the, even the anesthesia involved. They had so much good stuff in that show. I was really sad that they stopped. Oh, I don't know if I ever saw the second season. That show was crazy. Yeah. So that's how they end up explaining in season two that those people, oh, wow. I was wondering what well, the hell was think, going on. I just think the fact that they used an anesthesiologist to put them to sleep, to take their consciousness away and bring it back. The fact that they figured out to, to show that, to show the general population that that's where it's happening was fascinating to me. The, the people who did that show did an excellent job. But that's also why I think there's a little bit of artificial intelligence. I know there's a lot of artificial intelligence guiding our experience on these shows that we watch. And then it's transferred into the human who writes the show and that whole um, creative piece of what artificial intelligence is giving us as feedback of what we know in the science fascinates me. But so if this is where your consciousness is held in the microtubules in your brain, that's the highest level of information that we have. Now, how do you clean those microtubules? You have to starve them. You have to get into autophagy. You have to break down the proteins and recycle them. You have to, you have to clean the microtubules if you want to maintain a healthy brain. There's no other way. So that's to me where autophagy and consciousness meet and it's in religions. Why do people in Islam fast all day long and then they get up and they have their first prayer after they've got it. So th this happens in deep sleep. You clean your brain in deep Delta wave sleep. That's why I was asking about your sleep. And then the, the signal is the changes in the light from the sun, the light, the sun tells you to wake up. So in Islam, for example, and all religions have this early morning prayer, but, or most religions have this early morning prayer, but you've cleaned your brain, you've cleaned your microtubules, you've, you've gotten your proteins more organized. You're not as gunky with the tau protein and the plaque and all the stuff that they look at on autopsy to tell you that grandma or grandpa had dementia. The microtubules are clean. And then you use the sun's light to wake you up and make you make your cortisol and make you start making your hormones and turn off your melatonin. And you go outside and you pray in that Fajar morning light in that particular religion. They got it right. That's when they're the cleanest. That's when you're the closest to God. That's when you just cleaned your brain or temple. Do you do any cold, cold water stuff? Every day. You do. Every day. And, and what is, what's the role with that? So I used it to lose 30 pounds. When Anytime I you wanted to eat something, you just jumped in a cold bath and been like, that'll teach you. <laughs> well, when I had Hashimoto's like in 2016 and 2017, I just started sitting in my pool for an hour at a time to burn more calories, to get cold, burn calories. Um, Cause I didn't have all the time in the world to exercise and exercise was making me have so much pain. So I use cold plunge for that. Now I just, when I come down from hiking my mountain, I will jump in. Um, 
to clean my, as another mechanism to clean my brain. So I've got lactic acid going, I've got ketones going, I take some full flush niacin, I jump in my pool. I do it a lot on Instagram in the morning just to show people what it's like. And you but jump in your, in your pools cold. Is that why? It's 60 degrees right now. Okay. So, in, so you don't do like the, the 35 degree stuff. I do sometimes. I haven't recently. But you, but you also have to know that's dangerous for some people. And I'm a doctor broadcasting to people who listen. Like I, I don't want a 70 year old guy with a big plaque sitting in his internal carotid to go think, oh, well, she does it. I can do it. And, you know, have a stroke because, because he dislodged a plaque that he didn't know was sitting there. So I'm a little more tempered about it, but I have done 35 degrees. Going back to autophagy is the body when it eats that stuff, is it using it as fuel? It's recycling. It is recycling. And it's getting, and then you also, there's a kind of a branch where you enter apoptosis. So we always have cancer. Wait, cells what's the word you used? Apoptosis. Okay. So we always have cancer cells cropping up. Even as zygotes, we have cancer cropping up and the body has a mechanism to tell those cells to die. It's called apoptosis. So you can fast yourself long enough to enter apoptosis, program cell death, cell suicide, cannibal, cannibalism of your cells. You can fast yourself long enough to do that cycle after cycle. So for me, it's just a weekly cycle or a bi-weekly cycle of fasting. But you, when you fast, you want to make sure you push yourself into that starvation state. So for you, fit and healthy and working out, that probably happens at 18 to 36 hours. For somebody who's insulin resistant and leptin resistant and 50 pounds overweight, it might take them five days. That that's, depends on the size of the person and the sensitivity that they have to their hormones. Yeah. Uh, last, last year there was a, a section where I stopped of, of my life where I stopped drinking coffee. And during that time I decided I was going to do five day fasts. So that way I would do five day fast just on water. Mm-hmm. And I did two of them. And, uh, I don't know if I, I mean, for me, they, those were, those, those wrecked shop on me. I don't think that those were, I, it's going to take me a while before I do another one again. One, I started having to take like I started having to take salt in the second one and potassium and just all this stuff so that I something was going on. My heart started acting a little funny. My hands and feet started getting a little too cold for my liking. Um, and then both times when I come back from there, I have this appetite that I can't uh, fulfill. Like basically I just ate for like a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I was awake, I was eating. But this 36-hour thing, and when I say 36, sometimes it's 30, sometimes it's 42. It, it's, now it's just part of my life. Yeah, and, my, and of course, my wife led me to that too. My wife's like, "Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to not for a year. I'm not going to eat one day a week." And then it just it's just, amazing once you get used to it. Yeah, it can't it can't be any other way. But physiologically, when you get into that deep of a fast, you're dumping water, you're dumping sodium, you're dumping potassium. So for people with health concerns, you really have to if you're going to do a fast, replace electrolytes, replace salt. When you enter ketosis, you dump a ton of salt. So. I don't want anybody, you know, who's new to this to just think that they're going to do a dry fast or just a water fast. You, you have to think about your electrolytes. You don't, you don't want to get into that five day situation and cause yourself damage. Do you drink black coffee when you fast? I drink uh, straight up espresso. Okay. And, and, and what are Mostly the impl- green tea? I drink a lot of green tea when I fast, but I do drink espresso a couple of times a day. Do you think it would be better if you didn't? No, it's fine. I don't have a problem with coffee. There's a lot of like biohacker debate about the coffee. To me, it's no. It causes if I have too much coffee, I get anxiety. Like I can't quite focus, and I'm fasting for focus, so I don't overdo it. 
And I'm careful with my green tea that, you know, by the middle of the afternoon, I'm drinking decaf. I don't, I don't over caffeinate like I used to when I didn't feel good. Um, tell, tell me about, um, uh, high intensity training. How, how did you get into that? Oh, and, I've and- always done high intensity. I've, I've always loved high intensity intervals, but basically, so we have the ability to re- release stem cells and there's Nobel prizes for stem cells. So in the lab, they can take skin cells, adult skin cells and make, take, turn them into pluripotential or multipotential stem cells that can become any cell in the human body. And they can do that and use it to heal the heart, use it to heal the skin, use it to heal the eye. So if they can win, if, if a Nobel prize can be won on that, that must mean that we have the impar- inherent power to do it as humans. So I'm always looking for, okay, well, what can I reverse engineer? What can I figure out how to get you to do? And what do we know about our brain? We know we have stem cells in our hippocampus, which is in the middle of our brain. And we know that those are triggered by exercise, high intensity exercise. You have a, a molecule called BDNF that's triggered when you exercise that makes you make stem cells in your brain. So we have this pandemic of Alzheimer's and that's purely people getting damage to their microtubules too much plaque in their microtubules. And the plaque, by the way, has a, um, a positive function in a zygote and in, in an embryo. We see that amyloid plaque there too. It has a positive role. It's just when it doesn't get repaired or autophagized that it becomes damaging. So the high intensity interval exercise is the quickest, best, most efficient way to push ketones into your brain, to make lactic acid, a a damaged brain is going to want to use lactic acid first to push BDNF into your brain, to release stem cells so that you can make more neurons. And I was taught, this is the thing that frustrates me. I was taught in medical school, you cannot make more neurons. Your brain is your brain. And as recent as 11 years ago, I would have eight or 10 medical students. I used to take a ton of medical students and they would say, oh yeah, we were taught you can't make new neurons. All of them. So we know you can, and we've known that you can for years. So why has the medical school literature not caught up? Now, maybe they're being taught something different in the past 10 years. I've kind of lost touch with all those medical students, but it's all there. Autophagy is and, and fasting and high-intensity exercise is how you make new neurons. Why are we letting people die of dementia in nursing facilities, giving them experimental drugs that cost $50,000 a year? And orange juice and pastries. When we could teach people that stuff. Isn't it, isn't it fascinating that 40% of the people who died from this so-called situation we're in um, were in care facilities with a 13.7-month life expectancy? And those are the ones that it, – it's, it's like a, a doctor, a cardiologist told me that he one time he said, I haven't seen a client in three years who's not 30 years complicit in their demise. I was like, holy shit. Right. But here's I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, dude, it's just like everyone's just on the slow train to suicide. I'm they like, are. what and is going happening. on? When you look at the level of depression, anxiety in our teenagers and our kids, it's going to be worse for the next couple generations unless they wake up and realize. And then the fact that we have all these YouTubers with misinformation about the vegan vegetarian thing, teaching these kids, it's just a repeat of what we were taught about cigarettes and sugar what our parents were taught about cigarettes and sugar. So it, it's just on repeat. It's the same information being presented a different way. But um, in order for the quantum veil to be lifted, the people who can't understand 
they're not going to get it. I mean, in order for people to understand the whole piece that we started with, and I don't want to sound morbid, but there's only certain people whose brains are going to be clean enough who are going to have an interest to understand this. And it's going to take some number of humanity. I don't know for sure what that number is, but it's going to take some number of us understanding the singularity. And we didn't even get into where they're studying the singularity. I mean, we're about to launch a telescope to look at the singularity at the center of our black hole, both backwards and forwards. And CERN is studying the quantum gravity of the singularity. So we've got scientists who are really dialed in at looking at this stuff, but looking for people to understand it and connect it all. And then have that be a tipping point in the population to understand that artificial intelligence is going to be able to figure out our soul code consciousness or qubits of information that comes into the zygote at the moment of fertilization, it's going to be able to figure it all out at some point. That's going to take a lot, a lot of healthy people. Uh, uh, Dr. Courtney Hunt has to go. I, I want to say this it, right before the podcast started, I was freaking out because I'm, I've never prepared so much for a, uh, a guest and, and I love preparing for guests and this just, fucking frazzled me i gotta have her on again when i'm more myself but i want to say this she said to me in the text right before we came on she said i think she sensed that i was how heavy i was making it and she said hey let's be uh, it, don't worry it's all playful and that's really important to remember and i want to take this quote out of the bible and you guys all know that i don't believe in god and i'm not a religious man but i want to tell you this i love the i love that book I don't know who said this, but it just says, I just Googled it. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So I leave you, if there's anything we said that like freaked you out or got too heavy for you, don't let it. Don't be like me. To like, to just go out there, ride that assault bike, climb up that mountain, throw some rocks, you know, hug a tree, kiss your kids, have fun. You know, the, the love is love is the pathway. Loving yourself and loving those around you is the pathway to getting a better grip on this. Courtney, anything you want to say at the end? This was fun. I'd love okay, to Okay, good. That. Thank you. You ask great questions. Thank you. Uh we shall we shall we shall stay uh connected, uh whether you want to or not, singularity. I would um, love to. Okay.